To acquire knowledge, one must study. But to acquire wisdom, one must observe. That is a quote by Marilyn Foss Savant. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. This is episode 115. The topic of this week's episode is sharing knowledge. My guest this week is Julio Maria Mahuro. Julio is an award-winning professional, mission-driven entrepreneur, and a lifetime learner. He is the founder of Sharing Knowledge International, a company guided by the purpose of enabling powerful personal transformation to drive business, career, and life fulfillment. Hello, Julio. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hi, Trina. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I see you are the founder of Sharing Knowledge International, and you help businesses, professionals, do some amazing things with their career and their life, things that they aspire to do. But before we get into that, please tell the listeners how you came to be who you are today as far as your journey and you starting this business. Yeah, so I was born in Mozambique, a country in Southeast Africa, and I had a pretty normal, decent childhood. I was. I have four siblings. I was born in a single mom uh, household, and uh, my mother was a teacher. So growing up, education was a big part of uh, of our lives. And I will study in a private school, but then I'll come home to the hoods. So that sort of like gave me, you know, the opportunity to start asking. So why some people can have so much, and others can have so little? Um, but again, there was one of those things that uh, a young kid never really asked, but just stood in the back of my mind for so long. And it was only when I was in university, when I was just about to graduate, and I was starting to think, you know what, how I'm going to make money moving forward. And alongside one of my best friends, we decided to create this professional training program for youth in Shimoyu, in the central of the country. And I remember we went, uh, we went out to do 500 surveys. Um, you know, to really get a grasp on what people were interested on. And I wanted to, to be a marketing teacher. My co-founder wanted to be a accounting teacher. But then out of 500, I think only five people were interested in marketing and less than 10 were interested in accounting. And we were like, what are you going to do? No one wants to learn the things that we want to teach. And, you know, I tell my co-founder, you know what? We must put our egos aside and focus on our vision. If people are interested in HR, English, ICTs, that's what we should be teaching if we were to make money. And that's what we did. Um, we did it for around six months. But then, you know, as many startups, if you don't have strategic support and guidance, you sort of like feel lost. And I was making some pretty great decisions, but 
deep down, I was like, I'm just faking my way out. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, back in the days, I didn't know anything about startup coaches, about business strategies or business advisors. So I really felt that I could do more, but I didn't know how. So I said with my co-founder, um, we decided that I was going to get a job to get more experience um, and develop my leadership, and he will you know, remain and um, run the company. I end up joining a company called Idea Lab here in Mozambique. They focus on entrepreneurship and innovation, supporting young people and women to start and grow their companies. It was an amazing uh, journey for me. I learned a lot. Two years into it, they invited me to lead the launch and management of one of the top tier business incubation programs in Mozambique. Again, another great challenge. I learned a lot. Um, I ended up becoming the role model for the program to be delivered in Angola and Sudan and sharing knowledge with other different African countries. I learned a lot of exposition. As you can see in my LinkedIn, I won a bunch of awards with that. But it was really in the midst when I was having so much. You know, I had the exposure. I was in television every weekend. Um, I was traveling the world. But I was starting to feel empty again. Like if I was meant to do something more, but I wasn't. And I remember this particular event just after I done a speaking engagement, a guy came to me and he was like, Julie, you were so amazing. You were so intense. I reached so many breakthroughs. And I was like, I'm just doing the minimum to survive. <laughs> I'm just doing the minimum I could do. Um, and, you know, I went home and I was just tired and I just went to sleep. And there was something that I was doing for like, the last couple of months at at a time. And I woke up one day and I was like, you know what? This is not my life. This is not what I signed up for. Let me change it. So that sort of like drove me into a journey within where I had to reconnect with my purpose and how my legacy um, should look like for me. And that's how Share Knowledge International came to be, where I get to support and enable powerful personal transformation in people so that they can get the life, the business, the career that they want. That's my wow, that, in a nutshell. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And we were talking before we went live, and you're young. So tell the listeners how old you are. <laughs> I'm 25 years old at the moment. Wow. So how did all of this wisdom and knowledge come to be where, one, you said, okay, I have a degree in marketing, my my partner has one in finance, but that's not what people want. We need to give the people what they want. And doing what you're doing and, and, and deciding that you're going to help people in their career and in their lives. How at 25 did you, how, how do you have this kind of wisdom? <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll blame it on reflection, really. Um, so, you know, my older sister, she studied 13 years older than me. Um, my sibling is close to me. He is six years older than me. So, you know, when I was in school, they were at home. When I was at home, they were at school. And my mom, she was working uh, most of the time. So I really get to spend time with myself. And one of the things that I will do is just I will reflect without a specific purpose, just reflecting around life, you know. And this, it's a practice that I still do it. I at least an hour per day just take to reflect. And that's where I draw more of my insights because I feel that people are just in autopilot, you know, on the next thing and the next thing. They mostly never really take time to reflect. And it's in those moments of stillness that you can draw all your inner wisdom. 
and that's why how I came to be or come across as being so knowledgeable and wise. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know, we have a lot of similarities because I am the youngest of four children and I have a large age gap in between me and my siblings as well. So I can relate to that because I spent many days by myself. It was almost like I was an only child because there was so such an age difference between me and my siblings. So I had a lot of time to spend by myself. I read, I reflected. So I always ended up being more mature than my age because that was just my life and my environment. So I can really relate to that. Um, so what's your clientele? Who exactly are you working with when you're working with the organizations and professionals? Who, what, do you, what does your clientele look like? Yeah, so uh, a huge chunk of my clientele are organizations or corporations who are trying to level up their game by increasing their level of impact. Um, a lot of those companies, they sort of understood that one, they have a lot of millennials in their team uh, or Gen Z as well, and they're trying to increase their employees' engagement level. And if you know one thing about millennials and Gen Z is that we love our impact. We love to know that our work is not just to pay our bills, that we are actually contributing to something good in the world. Uh, so really comes down around that. Or they have clients who are millennials and Gen, Gen Z uh, who also as both as as uh, employees, but also as consumers, we care about impact. That's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin, I have a lot of um, aspiring and entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners or small business owners, um, people who are really trying to craft a business they sell to them. And I have a lot of professionals, so people who work for other organizations, but they don't just want to stick with the regular nine to five type of thing. Or even if they are, they really want to have a more fulfilling. Um, career path. Yes. And I think for people who are really in tune with themselves, being fulfilled in life instead of being, and it, you hit the nail on the head when you said autopilot, because I kind of use that as well. I say overdrive, where people yeah. are just rinsing and repeat. They do one thing, they do the next thing, go to sleep, and then they repeat again. But I think if you're really aware, you want to be fulfilled in your life. You don't want to just work or just exist. So my question is, when you're working with organizations and they're working with the millennials and the Gen Zs, are they actually implementing the things that you're telling them to do? Or are they just saying, oh, okay, yes, that sounds great. Do you see <laughs> them actually putting in the work? Yes, I do. Because, of, first of all, most of times when they hire me is because they've been doing that when they will just listen to other people. And so, you know what, I'm doing CSR is fun, but they never really get to see a return on their investment or they just do the sort of like random charity donations without any sort of purpose or relationship with their business. And oftentimes when I start out, I often start out with a, with a specific department or with the CEO, but then I end up sort of like spreading to the entire organization. So the employees end up keeping the organization accountable because they really love the, the cause that we end up um, supporting, that they keep their management accountable. They are the ones who reach out and say, hey, we really want to do this this way. And sort of like the management team just really have to follow through, otherwise they will lose their employees. So yeah, they end up, especially because they start seeing results. 
start to see how much you know a dollar invested in social impact you know influences their revenue and their profit and when they see that like that connection they just stick with it it's like it's a magic wand really <laughs> mm-hmm. now i love what you said about working with not only the ceos but working at the department level and working with the employees because so many times people go in and they just work with the high level, but then it never gets passed down. But if you work with the employees as well as the CEO and exactly like you say, they can keep each other accountable and then everyone knows what's going on because I know I've been there. I've worked for corporations where the CEO meets with, you know, a consultant or whatever, and you're depending on that CEO to pass down what went on when you're going, okay, I thought this was for the betterment of the company and the culture. Well, if you're only talking to one person, it kind of negates the whole reason for doing it. Yeah. And most of the times there is like, uh, you know, the conversation sort of like gets lost within, you know, between the CEO and the lower levels. If you know, that's how you want to call it. I remember this specific example with the client. So the CEO um, he's like a baby boomer. So he's really focused on things as healthcare, you know, child, childhood sort of like pension and stuff like that. While most of, the, of their employees, they're millennials who don't have plans to have kids. Uh, even if they, they have kids or want to have kids, they're pretty sorted out. So increasing, you know, their social, sort of like social um, benefits or healthcare wasn't really resonating with the team. Because for them, they were more focused on, you know, working remotely, having more vacation days. And just by shifting those small things, increase the levels of engagement for at least 30% in the first year. Mm. So, yeah, it's very important to like have uh, sort of like oversee of every single person in the organization. That's very important. Now, with your individuals that you're working with, do you have people, one, who are older than you coming to you? And are these people coming to you saying, hey, Julio, I need help in my life or my career? And how do you feel about that? <laughs> so I've been having clients older than me since my first business. Um, you know, I, w- I will go into a room and probably 80% of the owners will be older than me. <laughs> Um, the way that I sort of manage that is by delivering results because, you know, really doesn't matter how old you are. If you see someone who is getting the results that you're looking to have and if they're consistently showing you how you can do that as well, it's natural for you to trust them. And I'm super grateful that I earned my clients' trust, uh, even though they can come, you know, with um, a little bit of insecurities around that, but usually during our first 30 minutes, they get um, that they can be the person that they want to be working with me. So I'm super grateful for that. And yeah, I have a lot of young people as well. And I found this pattern where usually men, um, not everyone, but most of men who come to me, they, they come after trying everything in their minds, right? So they come like, Julio, I've tried so much. My life is a mess. I need help. <laughs> and low-key wish we were more like women because most of the women that come to me they're like my life is not a completely mess yet but if i keep doing what i'm doing i'm sure i'll i'll be there soon enough so 
help me to just revamp my life. Um, yeah, some people are more in tune with their careers, other with their business, others just how they can live a life that, again, is more fulfilling to them. And I oftentimes say that, you know, we have to stop being a bag of need looking for fulfillment out there we have to realize that we are fulfillment looking for need. So it's a matter of how you want your fulfillment to be felt by other people, how you want to express yourself in the end of the day. Mm, I like that. We are fulfillment looking for need. A hundred percent. That is profound. I love <laughs> that. That is a great quote. So, you know, and it's funny. So how, how did you become so well-known? So, you know, we have a lot of leaders and business owners and entrepreneurs that listen to the show. How did you end up becoming known so widely in different countries? So it started really when I was managing the incubation program, to be honest. And it was, I remember that uh, because we'll go to a, a meeting usually with my bosses and they will spend at least the first five minutes proving people that I deserve to be in those rooms. Right. And it was in 2008 when I was like, so how if I get, let's say, 10 minutes within a one hour meeting, how do I make sure I don't spend the first five meetings also proving, you know, everyone else that I deserve to be there? And that's a, funny, a fun way to do that will be to win a bunch of awards. So that way I don't have to introduce myself, but I can really just share in those rooms what people on the front lines are going through. And that's sort of like open this door where if someone you know just mentioned so hey this is julio he's one of the flashing young africans and he also won the diana award from the uk and he also one of the most sustaining delegates from global goals modern united nations all i have to do really is spend the rest of the time really focusing on the problem and the solution we're trying to create right so that was really how it started and i found that um when i'm doing networking if I change my mindset from what can I get to what can I give or how can I add value, people really, really resonate with that. An example was I was doing networking on LinkedIn and a guy from Brazil that was half Brazilian, half Singaporean, he ended up introducing me to a Singaporean lady. They ended up introducing me to a guy that is based in the U.S., and but he's also African from Kenya, and now I'm working for a company in Tunisia. <laughs> so... If you just open to deliver value, people will sense that and they will make the introductions for you. And they just become easy because all you have to do then is show up unapologetically and give 100% of yourself to whatever you're trying to do. Mm, I love that. Show up unapologetically. Wow. Now, did you know that this is what you were doing? Did you do all these things intentionally or did it just happen things happen to fall in place for you and you found you're like wow this works <laughs> i mean before sharing knowledge and it, 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 to be honest still now a few things is just like i had no clue what i was getting myself into but i always felt maybe because when i was growing up i remember my mother telling me you know what you can try whatever you want if you fall and break your face you can always come home we will always be here for you. So that's kind of like 
gave me a sense that really I can do everything if I'm willing to put in the work to make that happen. And a lot of the times I found that, you know, this thing that says, um, lucky is when opportunity meets preparation. I took that a little bit. Like is when opportunity meets competence. Because if you are really a competent professional, those opportunities will show up and you'll be able to take them. Because if you prepare every day and you are still not able to deliver the results that people are expecting and you are expecting, you're not going to make the deal, right? So it's a combination of both. But with Fair Knowledge International, I'm way more intentional about what I wanted to do. So from the beginning, I wanted to create an online company where I get to you know have the laptop lifestyle. I have teams in several different locations, and that was created intentionally. Mm. Now, for people who are listening, how do you select your team and build a team internationally? How do you go about doing that? Because I've heard that that's a hard process. And I'm in the <laughs> process of trying to do that as well as hire people for different things. How do you yeah. make sure you get the quality person that you're looking for? So the first thing is you have to get your vision clear around what your dream team will look like. So for me, it was never like having hundreds of employees. I'm way much more interested on having a small team that can deliver high impact and therefore high value. So to me, a team of maximum 10 people will be the dream team. And I found that instead of spending just 30 minutes interviewing people and just revising their CVs and making a decision, I end up benefiting in the long term if I really take time to know the person, right? Like I spend usually a one hour conversation when we talk about everything, their life, their dreams, their fears, everything to really get to know the person. And business why oftentimes they start working uh, with me as freelancers. And I use that as a trial period to see if first and foremost, I am a good fit for them. And also if they are a good fit for me. And throughout this entire process, I'm often looking for self-motivation, self-drive, because I don't want my job to be giving you motivation. I, I want my job to be ensuring that you stay motivation or if your motivation increases. But you have to be self-motivated in the first place to work with me. So define the things that you really want to do and focus on that. And you hire people that can allow you to do those things and not the other way around. I'm also super keen to working with people who are independent because I don't want to spend my days checking if you're doing your work or not. <laughs> I prefer you coming to me and say, Julio, this is and there are red flags I need support. Or even I appreciate when my team come through and say, Julio, you're not playing full out here. Julio, you should you know, show up more in social media. Julio, about this training, I think you should do that. So this is the people that I'm looking for. And the only way that I found that I can actually get, get them is by taking my time to know my candidates before they become part of my tribe. You know, that is so wise. And I think more business owners, but especially major corporations, well, just businesses in general, I think they need to do that. Because like you said, they, they take the time and they just go over a CV to interview and that's it. But they never really talk to the person. They never get to know the person as a whole. Because my thing is, everyone is different. Everyone in your team yep. is different. Everyone has different aspirations, different things going on at home. And unless you talk to them and know what's going on, 
you won't know where they properly fit because someone could be a great person and a great employee, but maybe you've put them in the wrong position because you don't know them. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I think a lot of times, a lot of people are dismissed or fired or given poor performance reviews on jobs because they're, they're, supervisor goes, oh, they can't do this job. When it's go, well, did you ever talk to this person and actually know what they really want to do? Because I'm a firm believer that people don't go to work to do bad jobs. You know, they're, they're, this is their livelihood. They want to do good. But when you put someone in a position that they're not passionate about, or you're not treating them um, like a human being or Uh treating them fairly, it demotivates them. So you don't get the best performance out of them. And instead of knowing the person and knowing what's going on and placing them accordingly, so many times that's just not the case. So then you get people, you get an unhappy employee and then you get an unhappy um, boss or company owner when that all could have been avoided if they had just spoken to the person. Yeah. And if you could, put aside, you know, your preconceived notions. So one of my team members, she's from the Philippines. She's a mother of two. They're like five and two years old, if I'm not mistaken. And I actually hired her to be an executive assistant. And I was a little bit like worried that with the two kids, she wouldn't be able to manage to actually do that. But then I found out that she's a dope seller. I mean, that woman, she can sell garbage as gold (laughs) i'm not even joking so having her as an executive assistant was just a waste of time waste of money waste of everything and we moved her to the sales um, department as like the leader of sales and she's been doing some pretty great job and actually having two kids is just something that sort of like warms up everyone in in her calls and i'm like that was the best decision that i ever made but really, I was only able to do that because I really took the time to know her first. And two, I allowed her to like try and experiment with that freelancing period, right? Until we really click on the formula that worked for both of us. Mm. That was exactly what I was looking for. So powerful. You took the time to know her. You put her in a position of being an executive assistant, but that wasn't her strong suit. No. <laughs> but no, you would have never known that if you hadn't taken that time to talk to her. No, and how I knew that was because she was really good in trying to sell me stuff that was on my email box. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why am I even considering buying this software in the first place? Right? So I was like, you know what? You're actually a great seller. And the thing is, most people they don't really know what they're good at because we never tried everything, right? So if I spend my entire life having people telling me like, oh, you are a great counselor, I will never know if I'm a great cooker if I never really took the time to cook, right? So yeah, making sure that we're building a culture where people get to experiment and try and become the versions of themselves that they want goes a long way for them and therefore for your company. Yes. Now, you say that you also mentor the youth. And me, I'm twice your age, so I would consider <laughs> you youth to me. But yes. how does it feel you being 25 years old, being successful at what you're doing, and you are mentoring other people who may be the same age as you, younger than you, or maybe just slightly older? How does that feel? 
Yo, being honest is a bit unreal to this age. So a few weeks ago, my sister called me um, to tell, you know, so she was like, did you spoke with your nephew? And this was one of my nephews that I was blessed to really spend his childhood. Right? So I changed his diaper. I sleep. He was one of my babies. And I was like, no, why? Like, I've been busy. She was like, because you know that you are his role model, right? I was like, what? She's like, yeah, he follows you around social media. And every time that he has to make a decision, he goes around, do you remember why Uncle Julio did? And she was just done with that. She was like, okay, so you have to stop and talk to him. And I was like, wow, I have so many eyes looking at me and not like on a creepy way or like an obsessive way, but looking at me as like hope, as this beacon of light, that I, I have this responsibility to at least live up with their expectations on a sense that, you know, they're looking for inspiration. The bare minimum I can do as a way to give back is to be their inspiration. And I found that there is like a fine line between you showing up for others while still being authentic um, and also sort of like just become um, sort of like a fake uh, brand, but really remain true to yourself. But I always... Um, you know, every time that I go and have a, co a session with someone that is younger than me or they are in like an early stage of this journey, I'm always reminded that um, I'm not only doing this work for me, but for them as well. Mm. So powerful and very responsible of you because to whom much is given, much is required. So Indeed. when you have people who are looking at you and to you, it's very important to show up properly because you don't want to put something out there that one is not true and that you're not truly representing yourself in the most authentic and way that will show that you're giving and that you want to serve others. So I really commend you on knowing that and showing up that way. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like a yeah. daily, daily job. <laughs> Exactly. But it's, it's important. And it's not just only for mentoring, but it's also important as just being a human being. And I think so many times, especially in this day and age of social media and everyone can show up on Instagram, you know, living their best life. And, <laughs> you know, you, you never know what's real, what's fake, but no. just being authentic. I, I think that speaks volumes. And, you know, Tina, just because you say that, it reminds me that I, say this a lot to people like don't let people in social media fool you into quitting your job moving <laughs> to your parents house and have nothing to live on right like don't let people fool you like um i mean i understand that sometimes we find ourselves in positions that um, are unbearable to us but create a plan so that you can make the transition because change is hard as it is. So if you can just take steps to make sure that that transition happens smoothly, go ahead and do that. Don't let people fool you in social media. No one has a hundred thousand percent of perfect life. Um, mm -hmm. We have highs and lows. It's part of our human experience. Oh, absolutely. Oh, this has been a great conversation. We're going to move into the questions. I mean, I could talk to you <laughs> Forever, And that's probably why you have such great clients because you are, you're so wise and I love speaking with you, but are you ready for the questions? Bring them on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who or what motivates you? To see how much people can transform and grow. 
Okay. What demotivates you? When people give up on themselves. Hmm. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? So I got this job offer to work on one of the biggest corporations in Europe. And throughout the negotiation process, it didn't come through. And I'm so glad it didn't because in 2019, I won the like three international awards that I wouldn't have if I had changed careers, most probably. Mm. What is your fear? That I lose myself and therefore my light and my magic. Hmm. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Yes. So my mother passed away when I was 14. And I remember uh, she died on a Monday. I remember that because on a Saturday, I was leaving her room and I was just having this feeling that it might be one of the last moments I'll have with her. And I wish I will spend that night with her. That was like my one sort of regret my entire life. Mm. I end up making peace with it. But if I could go back in time, I'll change that. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Not really. I believe that our mistakes are the things that allowed us to earn our lessons and our wisdom. Like mistakes are the price that we pay for access knowledge. Mm. Wow. What is your definition of success? A life that suits me. Doesn't have to suit anyone else, has to suit me first because I can only give for my overflow and not for my cup. Mm. How do you recharge? I connect with nature. So I watch the sunset every single day, for instance. I go for walks in the beach, just reconnecting with our planet gives me all the energy I need. What are you awesome at? shifting spaces so I can make a space feel super uncomfortable so that you can open up to change and breakthroughs, but I can also make space really uncomfortable so you get to deal with the things that you don't want to deal. What legacy do you want to leave? I want people to understand that every single one of us, we are powerful beyond measure. All we have to do is remember that power, be bold enough to step and own it, and allow others to do the same. Okay. Julio, give the listeners one motivational takeaway. No one in the world is fewer than you. That's your superpower. And if you could make peace with your past, you'll be able to open up for the possibilities that your future can be. And you are the lead co-creator of your life, so you get to decide how your future is going to look like. Make sure that you make a choice that you're proud of. Wow. Tell the listeners how they can connect with you. If they want to be a client or just network with you, give them um, how they can connect. As many millennials, I'm on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Julio Mujorro. That's J-U-L-I-O-U-H-O-R-R-O. Or you can connect me uh, via my LinkedIn company page. It's Sharing Knowledge International. Again, you are more than welcome to follow me around in this crazy journey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Julio, I am 
so grateful you took time to be with me and seeing that we're six hours uh, difference. It's in the evening there for you. So I really appreciate you um, for being on Trina Talk. Thank you very much for having me, Tina. I really appreciate it. If you like Trina Talk podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their lives? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.